0: Welcome to the three martini lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Karambas of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We're glad you're here. We made it to the end of another week. We've got good, bad, and crazy news for conservatives today. Jim Garrity still on vacation. Glad to have back Byron York, chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. And as I should have pointed out on Wednesday, he's also the host of his own podcast, The Byron York Show. So, Byron, great to have you with us again. Thanks, Greg. Good to be here. Well, let's start off with our good news. And, uh, you know, the abortion fight's obviously been going on for a very long time. We date it back to 1973 with the Roe v. Wade decision, but obviously it's been going on longer than that. But now we actually have a makeup of the court that could give the unborn the right to life that, that they deserve. And although they've been incremental on a lot of key decisions lately, you just don't know how it's going to go. And there's a big case headed its way. And uh, the Attorney General of Mississippi, Lynn Fitch, has issued that state's legal brief to the court in defense of its ban on abortions after 15 weeks. And here's part of that brief. On a sound understanding of the Constitution, the answer to the question presented in this case is clear, and the path to that answer is straight. Under the Constitution, may a state prohibit elective abortions before viability? Yes, Why? Because nothing in constitutional text, structure, history, or tradition supports a right to abortion. A prohibition on elective abortions is therefore constitutional if it satisfies the rational basis review that applies to all laws. And so... Byron, who knows how the justices are going to look at this. I would be surprised, given their uh, track record on some recent big cases, whether they'd uh, actually overturn Roe in its entirety or or, or tackle Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the uh, the case from the early 90s. But the argument here from, from Lynn Fitch, the attorney general of Mississippi, is a very strong one, because if you actually inject some truth serum into a lot of liberals, even if they like the idea of abortion, they'll tell you that Roe v. Wade is one of the worst decided cases we've had, perhaps ever.
1: Well, it's a very strong argument, and it has been a very strong argument since 1973, and it has failed all the time since then. And, and you're skeptical. I'm extremely skeptical that the court uh, would change anything, even with its new uh, makeup. Uh, the, the Attorney General of Mississippi is absolutely right. Uh, there is no right to an abortion in the Constitution, the Supreme Court found it there, put it there, recognized it, um, and it has been a law for nearly 50 years. 2023 would be the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and it has survived all sorts of challenges since then, including you mentioned Casey in the 1990s, in which the court kind of said, look, this is it. Don't ask us again. Um, there is a, uh, a concept in law called reliance uh, that is, you have a law that people have come to rely on in their lives. Um, and uh, unlike some other uh, notorious cases in the past, like uh, Dred Scott, the world has not changed around uh, Roe v. Wade. We're not you know, radically different than we were 20, 30 years ago. Uh, so I would be extremely surprised. Um, of course, all conservatives agree with the Mississippi argument, but I would be extremely surprised if the court took any big big action on Roe
0: yeah I'm just glad somebody actually said it you know everybody uh, who's in the pro-life movement uh, certainly agrees with that but a lot of times we're, we're tap dancing on on the edges because the, uh, legislatively sometimes that's the best chance to make some progress so you know Ruth
1: lot. Bader Ginsburg the late uh, very liberal uh, Democratic justice on the Supreme Court basically said that Roe was terribly decided. But they just needed it. I mean, they, it, it's, it's such a, you know, if, if you go to like a Democratic convention or something and you see when speakers start talking about Roe and the, and the right to choose, uh, I mean, there's just this very deep, deep embrace of it. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's just emotional. Uh, but there it is. So even, but, but legal scholars, including Ruth Bader Ginsburg, have recognized how badly decided it was.
0: Well, you kind of answered sort of. My next question is, why is this the uh, the hill that the Democrats absolutely refuse to give any ground on? I mean, they're obviously very staunch on a lot of issues, but there's no issue where they will give any ground uh, less than abortion. It's It's the one that they're absolutely the most passionate about. Any idea? I think why? it's
1: kind of like conservatives and the Second Amendment, because they realize that the other side wants to do away with it altogether. So you come up with something like a ban on partial birth abortion, some absolutely entirely common sense limitation of abortion, and they oppose it. Why? Because they see it as a nose under the tent, a foot in the door uh, to get rid of abortion altogether, just as many, uh, many conservatives see any uh, movement uh, to, to limit access to firearms, uh, I think quite reasonably, as part of a democratic desire or a part on many liberals, uh, to just eliminate uh, the right to, to uh, bear firearms. So I think it's both sides are stuck in a, in a complete total war on both those issues.
0: And, of course, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats just yesterday talking about the need for taxpayer-funded abortions. So it's not just that uh, they're okay if you do it. We have to pay for it. And uh, so, therefore, we're supporting it with our money as well, which is absolutely disgusting. Exit question here, Byron. Uh, Does the court do anything on this? Do they say states have the right to ban uh, abortions after the point of viability, quote-unquote? Do they punt entirely? I mean, we're a long way away from this being heard and ultimately decided. But uh, what's your gut tell you?
1: My gut tells me they'll do absolutely nothing on it.
0: Well, that would be a bad martini in a, in a lot of different ways because, of course, you only get a couple of cracks at this uh, each generation on a, on a case as, potentially as wide-ranging uh, as this one. But uh, let's talk about something a little happier, and that's actually the good martini. For some reason, we always have a tendency to get to the end of the good martini with a sour aftertaste. But uh, when it comes to uh, saving money on your auto and home insurance rates, uh, we definitely have some good news for you, and that's where Gabby can get you a great deal. There are hundreds of companies out there claiming to compare auto and home insurance rates and figuring out whether you can save money for the same amount of coverage, but there's only one that actually does it. So get a better insurance with Gabby, and I can tell you, you can get that better deal because I've gone through the process.
1: You know, Gabby is actually the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not ballpark guesses, no guesses, actual quotes. So use your current policy to find a better policy comparing your current coverage with 40, 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, Travelers, all in one place. So use your current insurance information to get started. It is free, and they only show policies that are the same or better than your current coverage, many of them at a lower price.
0: And the process is easy. Sometimes it can be a really laborious process to change your insurance and uh, other other aspects of your financial life. But when it comes to Gabby, it's very simple. You just go to the site. You go through what's technically a quiz, but it's really what's your zip code? How old are you? Uh, eventually, you get to the point of linking to your current insurance policy. But all the questions you know off the top of your head, it's not like you got to go digging through files and stuff. And then you see... The coverage that you've got, what you're paying for it compared to what others will charge you for it. It's very, very simple. And Gabby customers, get this, save $961 per year on average. That's not jump change. And they'll never sell your info. So no annoying spam or robocalls. So put your policy to the test like I did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. Totally free to check. And there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash martini. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. Gabby.com slash martini. All right, Byron, on to the bad martini. And just uh, a few hours after we spoke on Wednesday, there was a whole lot of fireworks up on Capitol Hill as Nancy Pelosi rejected two of the members that housed Republican leader Kevin McCarthy appointed to the January 6th commission, specifically Jim Banks of Indiana and Jim Jordan of Ohio. As a result of that, Kevin McCarthy pulled all Republicans from the committee. Uh, Liz Cheney was already appointed as uh, Uh, as a member of the committee by Nancy Pelosi, and it looks like Adam Kinzinger might be added as well. But uh, in addition to what Alexander and I talked about yesterday in terms of Nancy Pelosi overtly politicizing this process and kind of turning it into a farce, what we didn't talk about yesterday, uh, Byron, is who she's appointed to this commission and their track record when it comes to elections and other investigations and just how radical they are. And you made this the uh, centerpiece of your memo today, and we're talking about Benny Thompson, the chairman of Mississippi, uh, as well as Adam Schiff, who I think most people know by now, and Jamie Raskin, who's been an impeachment manager uh, twice already in recent years. And, And all three of these guys have questionable track records.
1: Well, first of all, Speaker Pelosi comes out and she explains that she is uh, banning Jim Jordan and Jim Banks from the committee because they had, quote, made statements and taken actions that I think would impact the integrity of the committee. So that's what Speaker said. So you think, wow, is that is that the standard? Maybe we should look at the members that she has appointed on the Democratic side. So you start with the chairman, Benny Thompson a uh, longtime representative from Mississippi, go back 2005, January 6th, that date again, 2005, Congress's meeting to certify the Electoral College victory of George W. Bush over John Kerry in the 2004 election. Uh, Benny Thompson challenges the Electoral College results from Ohio. Now, Ohio is not just another state in 2000 in the 2004 election. It is the pivotal, decisive state. And a lot of progressive Democrats at that time were embracing really crazy theories about the tampering, alleged tampering with electronic voting machines. So Benny Thompson objects. Uh, some of the Democrats who object with him say they're not doing it because they want to overturn the election. They're just Protesting. But the fact is, they chose Ohio, the one state that, were it changed from uh, Republican to Democrat, would result in John Kerry being elected president. Uh, A little more Benny Thompson stuff. By 2008, uh, he wants to uh, impeach George W. Bush. By 2017, he's become a devotee of um, the Trump Russia collusion theory. He boycotts the Trump inauguration in solidarity uh, with John Lewis. By the end of 2017, he is voting to impeach Trump, not on the basis of Russia, although he does that later. He's voting to impeach Trump on the basis of what Trump had said about the NFL and about Colin (laughs) Kaepernick. Um, And so, uh, (laughs) you know, you, you have to wonder, is it possible that Benny Thompson has perhaps said and done things that would impact the integrity of the committee. And I'll stop right now for a minute, but you can say similar things about Adam Schiff, who I'm sure all our listeners have heard of, uh, and Jamie Raskin as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jamie Raskin challenged the 2016 election results. Uh, he uh, he did in, when they were being counted in the joint session of Congress. So that makes him a curious choice. And of course, Adam Schiff most famously uh, talked about uh, how, in no uncertain terms, they had the smoking gun on uh, Trump collusion with Russia. And then when he actually got under oath uh, behind closed doors, uh, admitted that no such thing existed. So uh, we've got a lot of uh, ethical heavyweights uh, on this panel from the Democratic side. And so uh, this just uh, points to the absurdity once again of Nancy. Pelosi. I don't know how many moderates she's got, but she certainly hasn't put many on this panel.
1: Well, here's the thing. Uh, All of these people, uh, Representatives uh, Thompson, Schiff, Raskin, have been out on the fringes of conspiracy theorizing. And at the time when they were doing that, they needed to have somebody challenge their assertions. They needed that. Uh, And when they come up With new theories, because they seem inclined to think that way, some people are more conspiratorial-minded than others, when they come up with new theories, they need colleagues to challenge them. Colleagues like Jim Jordan and Jim Banks. And this is what Nancy Pelosi has made sure will not happen on a um, Capitol riot committee. Uh, It's not that they need someone to... um, to say, oh, the Capitol riot was a good thing, or ransacking the Capitol was a good thing. No, but they do need somebody to question assertions. What was the FBI's role? What were they doing? If did they have informants? Did if the informants were there? Why didn't authorities know more? And were they better prepared uh, for what happened? So there's there's a lot of things that uh, should be looked at in this committee that maybe Adam Schiff doesn't want to focus on. So th- that's the important thing. You needed some diversity of approach and thought, and that's what Nancy Pelosi made sure she didn't have.
0: Yeah, with the makeup right now, it's not likely to uh, happen at all because uh, even if she does add Kinzinger, I mean, those are the two Republicans who are uh, most hostile towards Trump anyway. But uh, yeah, without... Uh, Without Republicans on the panel, there's going to be very little balance here. And it just uh, you, you mentioned the FBI. We talked about them in another context with Michigan on Wednesday. But uh, from what we know about what they didn't pass along to the relevant agencies leading up to that day is uh, is mind boggling in and of itself. So uh, potential Extra black eye for the FBI, uh, and they've got plenty of those already, uh, could be dodged as a result of this, but uh, but we will see. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Benny Thompson uh, supporting the uh, impeachment of George W. Bush back in 2008. Remember when he was Hitler, and, uh, and now he's uh, this uh, responsible statesman in the eyes of the media and the left? And I'm not do- saying this to disparage George W. Bush uh, in one way or another. It's just how uh, different politicians become useful uh, and less useful, depending on the situation.
1: Absolutely. The progressive left, uh, the, very, the sort of emerging net roots of the time, 2004, 5, 6, they couldn't decide whether George W. Bush was a chimp or whether he was Hitler. Um, and if you look at the images that they were using at the time, there was kind of equally divided between those two things they talked about, the Bush crime family and somehow the Bushes had originally made their money uh, off the Nazis. And uh, it was just kind of amazing. The stuff that was talked about with George W. Bush, who's now
0: a good Republican. Yes. As, as we've said, uh, a number of times in the three martini lunch, uh, the, the Democrats and the media's favorite Republicans are those who are never going to be in office again, or who have died. Those are the ones they like because they're not a threat to them at the ballot box anymore. So I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where they say, uh, you know, that Trump, he wasn't so bad, but this year's nominee, uh, this guy's the one you really got to be scared about. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if
1: we'll live that long.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out. But anyway. Uh, let's talk about another thing that'll make you feel good, and that is the feel of a luxurious towel when you step out of the shower. And my pillow uh, gives you the best products. I love the pillows, I love the sheets, and I do love the towels as well. They're soft, they're fluffy. Uh, the bath towels are super big, and uh, you just can't can't beat them. And you can't beat the price now either. The six-piece towel set, which is regularly $109.99, just $39.99. Each set gives you two bath towels, two hand towels, and a washcloth two-pack. These towels are made from a proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent. That's why I get dry so fast. Soft to the touch, no lotion-y feel. Love that, too. Made with cotton grown in the USA. It's available in a wide variety of colors and sizes. It's obviously machine washable and... If you don't like them, you will. But if you don't, 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. So visit MyPillow.com, use the promo code Martini at checkout, or call 800-874-0104. That's the MyPillow six-piece towel set for only $39.99. Now, while you're there, take advantage of all their deep discounts on MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bedsheets and the MyPillow premium pillows. MyPillow.com or call 800-874-0104. All right, let's get uh, cultured here, Byron, for our crazy martini here and immerse ourselves in the art world, the high, sophisticated, uh, top-flight art world. Now, we're actually going to talk about Hunter Biden and his art world. Uh, he's uh, blowing paint through glass tubes and uh, charging anywhere from about seventy-five dollars to $500,000 for the art. And the original plan... From the white house was that uh they're going to have this whole anonymous buying process so there's no potential influence peddling here uh the washington post reported uh last month that uh all purchases would be kept confidential even from the artist himself in an attempt to avoid ethical issues that could arise as a presidential family member tries to sell a product with a highly subjective value but turns out that's not going to happen either Hunter Biden's going to know exactly who these people are. CBS News. Hunter Biden is expected to meet with prospective buyers at two art shows where his paintings will be on display later this year, according to a spokesperson for the New York Gallery retained to sell art made by the president's son. The shows, a small private affair in Los Angeles and a larger exhibition in New York City, will give Biden an opportunity to interact with potential buyers of his paintings which the gallery expects to sell for as much as $500,000. Asked whether Hunter Biden would attend both events. Uh, the gallery spokeswoman, Robin Davis, said, oh, yes, with pleasure. He's looking forward to it. It's like someone debuting in the world. And of course, he will be there. Uh, Jen Saki asked about this, and uh, she said Biden's not going to have any conversations related to the selling of art. And so, you know, the ethical rules just kind of go out the window when it's a Democratic family member, Byron. On the one hand, I kind of like this better. I think it should just all be transparent instead of hiding it all. So maybe we're headed back towards the way uh, it, it would work a little better, although the prices are clearly exorbitant and people will only pay that much to get to get access probably. But what do you make of the uh, shifting ethical standards here?
1: Well, I mean, the White House just twisted itself into a pretzel to try to defend this. And uh, this briefing with uh, Jen Psaki was just extraordinary because she— she says, I'll read you just a little bit. He, meaning Hunter Biden, he's not going to have any conversations related to the selling of art. Okay, so he's going to be meeting with prospective buyers prior to this big show. But nothing is going to be about the selling of art. So back to Jen Psaki. That will be left to the gallerist. I like that, gallerist, as was outlined in the agreement we announced a few weeks ago. So she says, well, this is going to be, this is a reasonable system, and this will safeguard uh, everybody's ethical concerns. Quote, and I would reiterate that the gallerist will be the only person who handles transactions or conversations in that vein, and will reject any offer that is out of the ordinary. So the gallerist, the gallery owner, becomes the White House Office of Ethics in this case. It's been farmed out uh, to the gallerist. So then- you get a really, really reasonable question. Wouldn't it be more transparent to just release the names of the buyers so that everybody would know who purchased the art and how much they paid? And Jen Saki said, we won't know who the buyers are. Hunter Biden won't know who the buyers are, even though he's met with these people right beforehand. So uh, it's just absolutely crazy. And my, my favorite part, was that she said that this was going to allow Hunter Biden to, quote, work in his profession. <laughs> and I, I didn't know he'd become a full-time artist. Obviously, he's pairing to cash in big time. But, I mean, he used to just be kind of a lobbyist, an influence peddler, until he became a, a drug addict full-time. So he's going to work in his profession. He should be able to work in his profession as an artist.
0: I, I mean, we talk about this all the time. If this were uh, the son or other family member of a Republican president, uh, this, there would be howls of outrage. Remember, Newt Gingrich had to give back a book advance for heaven's sake. And so, uh, which is pretty much commonplace in in the book world back when he became speaker. And uh, in this situation, of course, Hunter Biden, no matter what he does, uh, he will find cover from the administration and the media and the the double standards roll on. So we shouldn't be surprised. But as a talk show host in the D.C. area says sometimes, Byron, if it weren't for double standards, the left would have no standards at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I, you know, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll wait and see because this is going to continue, and there really is going to be a show, and he really is going to sell these pieces of art. And you know, five hundred thousand dollars—that's the high end we hear. I mean, it's an astonishing amount. I mean, there are incredibly accomplished artists who have been working all of their lifetime and who are quite popular who do not sell paintings for five hundred thousand dollars a pop, even seventy-five thousand apparently, which is the low price for hunter biden isn't it you know pretty extraordinary uh price for a working artist so uh we're gonna hear more about this and we're gonna find out some of the people who did it as a matter of fact and this ethics this weird ethics agree agreement in which the uh the uh the white house offshores its ethics concerns to the gallery owner uh is just not going to work
0: yeah I, I don't get why they just uh, don't get transparent with this it would make everything so much easier but uh Who knows, who knows, but uh, clearly they, they, they don't want that to be open for some reason but uh, that'll only create more questions than answers. Byron, great to have you here again. Thanks so much for your time and have a great weekend. Thanks, always a pleasure. Byron York is the host of the Byron York Show podcast on Ricochet. He is also the chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Uh, Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Please tell your friends about us as well. We are extremely grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Those are a big help to us. Also get us on those home devices all you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow all of us on Twitter. He's at Byron York. You know about at Jim Garrity. And I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great weekend. And please join us again on Monday when Jim Garrity will be back for the Three Martini Lunch.